Welcome to Detecting the Marvelous, a new podcast where we talk about comic stuff. I'm Matt Dill, and I am joined by my co-hosts. Uh, Dan Rosen. And Lainey LaRose. Yeah, so today we're just going to tell you a little bit about what we're hoping to do with the show, uh, what's going to be coming up in the near future, and a little bit about ourselves and our comic bona fide, mm-hmm. um, sort of where we come to the, the world of, of DC, Marvel, and, and all the other fun comic book companies out there, uh, and how we fell in love with the genre. Okay, well, Dan, I'll start with you. What was your origin story comic? My origin story comic was uh, probably, I feel like I almost have two because there was when I was a kid and first getting into comics, and so I really got into, uh, there was Wolverine because he was like the one Canadian superhero, and I got a collection of Wolverine Trials and Tribulations, and so it was like a select, like six or eight of like, very specific ones like a couple of him against like silver samurai and so on and then uh like for high school i started to drift away and then in university i came back because of batman's the long halloween and that one got me like back into like where i started like reading everything batman and started getting into other uh ones as well and so on and then just reading up on all the marvel and yeah everything awesome and laney what about you um similar to dan i'd say childhood embarrassed to say that'd probably be Archie comics would be yeah I'd have like full-size Tupperwares to the brim with every single double digest that existed (laughs) that's awesome yeah um but it was like growing up I was always into all of like the live action superhero shows from like Mm -hmm. Adam West Batman to like the CW later on um yeah and so I always wanted to get into like superhero comics so when Ms. Marvel came out I thought that would be a good starting point because I never really knew how to jump in so that would be my origins. Yeah. Awesome. Um, for me, I, I grew up watching like the Spider-Man TV show and Batman on TV, Hulk, uh, the Hulk show with with uh, was it? It's not. Wasn't Bruce Banner? It was like David, David Banner. Banner. Yeah. yeah, because yeah. they're like, oh, Bruce is. Well, it was it was very eighties, very <laughs> horrible reason they didn't call him Bruce. Um, but yeah, so so. For me, I really started getting into comics like right around when the Batman movie came out. So it was like the, the Frank Miller. So I, I, I've read mm-hmm. comics like like the Nick Fury and his Howling Commandos and the stuff I pick up at flea markets and drift in and out. But that's when I started seriously reading. And it's like that's sort of like jumping in at the deep end of comicdom too. Like Frank Miller was pretty intense to start <laughs> with. So it was sort of like oh, wow. And then I sort of like dialed back and it's like, okay, a lot of this stuff is a lot less like in your face than, yeah. than, than old, angry, retired Batman uh, versus <laughs> fascist Superman. Yeah. <laughs> so, You're like, oh, comics don't need to be this nihilistic and violent. Yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, now, who is your favorite comic book characters, Dan? So for me, it's uh, ever since I was a kid, The Thing from uh, Fantastic Four. Like, I like the other Fantastic Four members and they're all great, but the thing to me has always been the heart of it. And apparently for like the Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, that was like, for them, he was kind of the heart because uh, he's the one who like, you know, he's all uh, like, like he's like grotesque looking, but then also, you know, he's the one who loves being a superhero the most in a way yeah. at the same time. I remember there was like a, 
the thing number 12, which I got out of like a 25 cent bin once as a kid from a, at a comic book store. And I didn't even realize it was supposed to be, it was about like the, it was part of the secret wars. It came like right after the secret wars, one to 12 in 1984. And then, but I was just like, Oh cool. Like the things, you know, like on this strange world and he's fighting Dr. Doom. Uh, and so, yeah, like I, yeah, I've always loved him. Uh, and then found out he was also like the first Jewish, like Marvel superhero kind <laughs> yeah. of thing, which was just like an extra bonus. But, uh, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, I've always really liked that. Yeah. That, I don't know, like his like gruff, rocky, but lovable exterior <laughs> and the Yancey kids are like throwing eggs at him and stuff like that. And <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Awesome. And Lainey, how about you? That's a tough question to answer. Like, um, I'd say growing up, I always resonated with Lois Lane and Clark Kent. Why mm-hmm. I always wanted to get into journalism was because of mm-hmm. Lois Lane um, and Clark Kent and Superman. Just this idea of someone like feeling isolated from society, but still has this inherent need to protect it, like really resonated with me. Yeah. Um, today, though, like I feel like. I go into eras and really resonate with different characters and I feel like I'm entering my villainous era. So (laughs) I'm going to have to say Harley Quinn, something about a highly intelligent sociopath who gets away with things by like acting childish and like flirtatious, like just really resonates with where I am in life right now. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was just going to ask, were you a big like uh, Adventures of Lois and Clark fan back in the 90s? I was a bit too young to really get into it, but like I've seen like when I was homesick from school those would yeah. be like the episodes <laughs> yeah. I'd be watching for sure, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah yeah I mean I, I love Harley Quinn is as a character too mm-hmm. they've evolved so much mm-hmm. and like Margot Robbie yes. is just perfect as Harley Quinn I can't picture anybody else as a live action Harley Quinn anymore like, for sure yeah so nailed that role um I think I, I have to say actually for me it's it's Superman too. Okay. It's not Clark. It's but Superman yes. because they are kind. Of, it's like you know Batman. Batman's like in my head. I'm always Batman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like, but yeah, Clark and Superman are. There is a distinction yes. there, and I, you know, I didn't really understand him for a long time, but there are two like All Star Superman, which is going to be the basis of the new say. DC movies, which I can't wait mm-hmm. because it captured all that was good. With the character, like the the real heart of this is a this is an immigrant mm. who who loves his home and loves the people and will do anything for them, but at his core is just a good person. Mm. Mm. And then there's also the last episode of Justice League Unlimited, uh, the cartoon. Mm. Um, so there's this fight between. You know, Dark Side and his minions, and or Dark. I, I never pronounce. I don't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna say Dark Side because that's how I, it, it seems to me. Um, comic book spellings weird, um, <laughs> but yeah. So Dark Side and his minions are invading Earth, and Superman is like, "Well, finally, can I've been living in a world of cardboard where I'm afraid of the barest twitch I'll kill somebody I love." And now I can cut loose. Yeah. And he's just like, let's go on, on dark side. And it's just like, this is, that gave so much depth. Um, like between Batman, Batman, the animated series and the mm-hmm. justice league, they really brought Batman and Superman to life for me in ways that I hadn't. And Superman became like, because he's this archetype of, of mm-hmm. what, 
you can be. And I think that's where DC excels over, like Marvel tells personal stories Mm -hmm. and that's where they excel. Mm -hmm. Like these in one-on-one personal tales of, of grief and pain and suffering. Whereas, and, and, and they're great for teaching you how to overcome that um, and deal with that. DC tell these like myths and archetypal stories with these huge, bigger than life characters. And they, 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 for me, and when I look at Superman, it's like I can aspire to be something good, yeah. you know. And this is this is a story of somebody who's just pure good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So there's, uh, yeah. There's one issue in uh, All Star Superman that I always think of, which I think it's like they're in. It's either like breaking a prisoner or something, but it's uh, Superman and Lex. Yeah. And Lex Ke- Lex Luthor is like constantly questioning Superman's ideology and superman is just like sort of always explaining like no this is what like you have to do to be good and stuff mm-hmm. like that and i thought and that's like i think the best sort of encompassing of uh, superman yeah, yeah. yeah sure. oh, that's true and i loved what i loved about all Star 2 is like the the subtleties and how it was drawn was mm-hmm. great because it's like he, he when he's clark he looks like superman he just like sort of slouches a bit and he's a little <laughs> yeah. bit yeah. acts a bit schlubby and <laughs> yeah. it's like and so you can tell it's like, oh, he's pretending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, which I, I love, which I yeah. love. Cool. Excellent. All right. Well, so this is going to be, you know, a little different. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to reflect your last answer. But what is your favorite comic? So my favorite, I know you mean like as in like comic series. Like a comic series. series. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've always, for me, it has been Fantastic Four. I do love it. <laughs> my mom actually is the one who kind of got me into Fantastic Four because Growing up, she would read a lot of comics like Fantastic Four and X Men, because uh, like her, she had, she was kind of like in this middle point with her siblings. She had five of them, but like the youngest above her was like I think eight years above, and then another eight years below. So she didn't have a lot of like siblings close to her age to play with. So she would just go off and she'd read Fantastic Four, which she loved because it's all about family and uh, you know it's like the whole thing with. Uh, that like Stan Lee was saying is he wanted to create a family that was like a regular family. So like they actually like fight and argue. Like there's an issue where like the thing like throws a couch at Johnny and he, or he lights it on fire and the thing throws it at him and it goes out the window and like lands like in their, like right in front of the building that people have to like <laughs> jump away from all because they're like having like, you know, like this childish spat. And then like, you know, Sue Storm has to be like the mother being like, settle down children and like reads the father off like because it like being that sort of like 60s father who's buried in his work while like mom has to like you know always look after the kids and stuff like that and so i always yeah like i really liked that kind of uh that really got me into it awesome how about you um my favorite comic's a little out there it's a graphic novel um it's called dark knight a true batman story comic book lovers like anyone i highly recommend reading it it's actually about it's a real life story about someone who animated for marvel and dc um he goes through a trauma and uses the characters that he's animated this whole time to process everything that like had gone on through his life up until that point it's so interesting um, the artistic uh, capabilities that he puts into the book is just out, out outstanding. For that's sure. awesome. Well, that's yeah. very cool. Dark Knight, a true story. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. I find it interesting when people, because there's also, um, yeah, so there's an, um, in the latest Pride, DC Pride, there's a Kevin Conroy story where he talks about 
his life as a, a queer man mm-hmm. uh, in mm-hmm. the 70s and 80s within the context of Batman because I mean he came to define that character in a lot of ways yeah. so it's like it's interesting when these people who've worked in that yeah how much it impacts their life so that, that'd be really cool i'm gonna have to check it out for sure yeah, that's very yeah. cool um for me i have to say it's sandman nice uh, yeah. because like i we'll be getting into the, the first arcs we're going to talk about shortly but i quit comics for a while because of mainstream superhero comic dumb business models mm. And, but then I found Sandman in like the late 80s and it was like, oh, it doesn't have to be capes and cowls. It can be these really artistic, deep stories that you can have an issue where Shakespeare is like in a bar with Kit Marlowe and just there, you know, (laughs) and, or, and then like six issues later, it's a Midsummer Night's Dream, but the fey court are there being creeps and right. watching it. And yeah. it's like, so it's like, you know, Neil Gaiman really showed what could be possible with the medium in a mainstream capacity, because I mean, you have always, always had indie and art comics and stuff, but like where I was growing up, that wasn't really accessible. Mm. I didn't have access to like, like living in the suburbs didn't have cool comic shops nearby, mm-hmm. you know, like what I got was whatever was on the mainstream racks in the little comic shop that barely operated down the street with the creepy guy and <laughs> smelled like feet every time you went in. So like I, this was my first exposure to like, oh, there's intelligent, like, I mean, I, I love me Marvel and I love DC, but there's some rough pot spots in there. And like this, this really showed me like you can tell so much more and then I went back and looked at it with a more critical eye at these other comics that I read, and I started being able to read more subtext in them and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so I have to say, it's Sandman. Okay. It's, nice. it's such a there's so much beauty and art and loveliness in that. Oh, cool. I, Very yeah. cool. I was going to say if I can then <clears throat> add some like if we're going with specific stuff, why the Last Man was one that mm. like I like got me into like outside of superhero comics because that I thought was yeah. so cool. How uh, it was like my favorite like post apocalyptic type story and how like it really showed how like the structures of society like you know crumble because of the way they've like set up they've been set up and so on and so yeah that one and just like a really great like the everyman isn't is or the person who like the one guy like with a y chromosome who survives yeah. it's just like an escape artist like ba in english like no like special <laughs> skills just a guy than, yeah he's just a guy who like i guess he knows how to get out of handcuffs kind of thing but that's about it yeah awesome so um, what we're going to, for the audience, uh, after this episode, what we're going to do is we're going to be exploring different uh, runs, uh, different like story arcs, and uh, we've all sort of selected a different arc to start with. So Dan, you want to tell us about uh, the arc that, that we're going to be doing for you first? Yeah. So um, because yeah, I'm yeah, a huge Fantastic Four fan, I thought... Uh, we'll do the first four issues of the Fantastic Four from 1961, uh, which is kind of especially like as like an early episode. I think that's a good way to like, you know, introduce the whole like, uh, yeah, sort of, you know, like mar- modern, I guess, age of Marvel Comics and mm-hmm. how it came out. Uh, and it's really cool. It's in- And I find it really interesting. I'll talk more during that episode about but just to see like 
how they started out with the comics. Because I remember like reading how like Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, like they knew like what they wanted out of it, but they were still kind of fumbling in the dark and like, but like it's a lot of stuff that gets introduced in those four issues that are now such huge canon and are such like regular uh, villains. So I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. Awesome. Lainey, how about you? Um, So I chose Batman Court of Owls. Um, For one, the illustration speaks for itself. I think it was a great way to introduce Batman into the new 52s. I feel like um, in terms of iconic villains, like they've pretty much been established for decades before Mm. then. And for them to create the Court of Owls in the way that they did and like have that intensity in the series, it was like... It was just unexpected and exactly what the new 52s needed at that time. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And I selected something in the middle, uh, X-Men, um, the 1988 uh, reboot, uh, where we have Blue Team and Gold Team, uh, which broke into uh, the... And this was the beginning of my end, because this is where it started. <laughs> Uncanny X-Men and X-Men. So they had two simultaneous comics. Yeah. And it got worse from there. Uh, <laughs> but so many pouches. <laughs> so much exposition. Uh, but yeah, it's it was... That was sort of like... If it's, a lot of people are like, oh, this is my Star Trek, my Doctor Who. This was my X-Men. Uh, and... Uh, they, they they are kind of the definitive X-Men right now. Like That's X-Men 97. You see all the cartoons and stuff, and it's the, those outfits. So I thought that would be... And it's also like a, a, a reset point for the series. So it's like... And I thought it'd be a good place to start in that the early... Like late 80s, early 90s comic bookdom. So, nice. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, folks. Well, that was our first episode. So we're looking forward to you coming back and... Uh, We'll be starting with the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> Excelsior! You've been listening to Detecting the Marvelous, a Far From Here Productions and ShowbizMonkeys.com co-production. Your producers have been Dan Rosen, Lainey LaRose, and Matt Ardell. Music composed by Glenn Bouchamp, and art by Ben Steamroller. Thanks for listening, and remember, true believers, Excelsior! Excelsior!